You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. They offer just about every battery under the sun, from car and truck batteries to batteries for your trail cameras and rangefinders. Select retail locations even offer cell phone repair and cracked screen repair. Find a local retail location at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith and Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. What would you, as a hunter, do if the game species that you loved so much, it was the thing you looked forward to the most when it came to um, your year outside of Life, uh, everyday life, work, family, but hunting specifically, the game species you enjoyed the most was in a decline. Or you just started to notice less and less on your farm. At what point would you get before you started trying to change things and and turn the sinking ship around or stop the ship from sinking? If I'm being honest with you guys... I've reached that point with the wild turkey here in Missouri. There's been great seasons in the past. There's been lower success seasons in the past. But there has become a growing trend of each and every year I hear people talk about seeing less turkeys, hearing less turkeys. So I'm sorry if you're wanting to hear us talk about something other than the wild turkey but it's not all sunshine and rainbows in game management um in in a lot of a lot of the time um so we're going to jump in once again this week to talk wild turkeys but we're bringing on two shows that I'm sure each and every one of you are familiar with and we've got Mark Dury from Dury Outdoors and Michael Hunsucker and Sean Lucktel from Heartland Bowhunter um, coming on and to talk about the years of hunting Missouri previously to now, things that they're trying to do, and the message that we're all trying to do together to help um, encourage, inspire, and ho- hopefully get some answers in what we should be doing. Um, Missouri Department of Conservation, who handles all our regulations, um, they are kind of got a bad situation where they have to make all the public happy with their rules and regulations. 
So it's not a position I want to be, but I certainly think that we should be talking about it and should all be aware that there is a problem in the decline of the wild turkey. So I wanted to reach out to these guys for this week's podcast to basically confirm everything I'd already heard um, and see if they're dealing with the same things that most of our, us are dealing with. And that turned out to be true. We've got a two-part, uh, I guess, two interviews here. We're going to kick it off with Mark Dury, and then about 30 minutes in, we're going to jump over to Michael and Sean and hear their thoughts as well. So, guys, I hope you enjoy. When you listen to this podcast, please share it on social media handles, our social media pages, um, to help get this message out there even more, to help support us. That's one of the biggest questions guys ask us is how can they support us. Hat sales are great. Wearing our hats, apparel, things like that are great. But ultimately, just sharing our content on social media and other platforms or with friends and family is is the very best. So we appreciate it, guys. Enjoy this week's podcast. All right, round two of this week's podcast, we're going to uh, interview Mr. Mark Drury um, about all his years of Missouri turkey hunting and uh, what he's seeing, what he's doing to help ensure healthy turkey populations, ideas he may have. I'm really looking forward to this one. So let's just jump right in. Mark, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, Adam. Yeah. So um, you guys, once again, it appears you've had another hot season. Um, Tell us where you started and uh, I guess as you're winding down turkey season, where all you've been this past spring chasing turkeys. Well, um, in years past, I, I, you know, would go to eight or nine states. And then with COVID last year, that, that, you know, travel was, you know, really reduced. And then this year I kept more of a reduced schedule because Wade, who normally goes with me, he and Kyle had their first baby in February. So we took a more reduced approach to it. So we uh, started in Texas, or at least I did with Wade. He had gone to Florida prior to that for a couple of days. And then we went to Texas. Actually, I went with Taylor first, then came back, then went again. I, I was there for the opener of the South Zone and the North Zone. And then, of course, Missouri and Iowa for four straight weeks between the two, and then uh, probably even closer to five weeks. And then I went down to Kansas and uh, hunted with Dan Thurston a little bit. So all total, I probably got, you know, six weeks of, of turkey hunting in and uh, had a, a enjoyable season, as they all are. And, uh, you know, hate hate seeing that last day come like everybody listening to this right now. And, and we're now into the, the off season. The very long summer is ahead. So uh, just biding our time till bow season starts again. There you go. Yeah. Uh, question for you. You've been doing this a lot. How long has Dury Outdoors been producing content? We started in 89. So this is our 32nd year. Uh, and I started turkey hunting myself. Uh, probably six years prior to that, I probably started in 82 or 83. So, you know, almost 40 years for me in, in the turkey woods and gosh, I just can't, can't get enough of it. I, I always say I like to deer hunt and love to turkey hunt. It is, it still has my heart when it comes to the outdoors. I, I would much rather turkey hunt than anything else. So, you know, the, it, it really pains me to see what's happening to populations in, in a lot of different States and areas. And, um, not a lot of answers out there how to turn it around. Uh, so it's it's concerning. And I kind of saw this trend um, a few years ago in a lot of different areas that I was hunting. And I was like, man, I hope this never hits our areas. And I always say I manage turkeys harder than I do manage deer. 
you know, trying to work on those nest predators, trying to increase habitat, increase cover, and most importantly, decrease hunting pressure on the birds. Uh, we kill a lot of turkeys, but we spread that hunting pressure out over a large area. Uh, so I, I hunt quite a few different parcels of ground, specifically there in Missouri and Iowa. I think we're, we hunt probably a little over 10,000 acres. And I, I think that that is across over 40 farms, you know, that wow. are either leased or have permission on or help manage or, you know, so we really spread it out and we just do not pound our birds whatsoever. I just, I don't want to ever over harvest because they, they have enough trouble staying alive without us, you know, working on them. You know, Mark, that brings up an interesting question I have for you, and I want to get your thought on it. I've heard a lot of stuff, and I talk to a lot of researchers, and I mean, I feel like that's the base of everything we do is let's follow the research. That tells us the truth. That tells us unbiased information that we should go off of. But ultimately, there is times where I look at the the research and I say, yeah, I, I, I believe that, but yet in a real in the real world and an application, I know certain things to be true and i've often heard that you can't stockpile turkeys if you don't kill them likely something else will but i know one thing to be true a dead turkey does not gobble guaranteed and so if i don't shoot him there's a there's a chance he's going to be there next year so on with that kind of mindset where you don't overhunt them have you noticed that, like, okay, we're not going to hunt, or we've shot one bird, but there's three others. Have you noticed that it sounds like that's been a, a pretty good ticket to success for you guys? It, it has. I mean, we just went through turkey season, and all total in our Missouri and Iowa <clears> camps could take a lot of guests, you know. We we were able to harvest 32 mature gobblers on, on film. Awesome. So that sounds, that sounds like a big number, but... We do that annually. You know, we've been doing that for years in that 25 to 35 birds a year range. And we had amazing hunting this spring. We had birds on every farm, good numbers of turkeys, but we're very careful with those populations. You know, if we go into a 160 acre farm and there's three birds gobbling on it, at most we would take was one and and we may not take any. You Mm. know, if, if we feel they're a little bit low, we just leave them alone and go find a place that really had a better hatch two previous seasons and find that group of six or seven two-year-olds and pick on them a little bit and kill one of those. And we're very careful. I, I kind of uh, prescribe to the teachings and the thought process of Dr. Chamberlain. I don't know if you've ever had Mike he's, on. Your- he's been on two or three times and his colleague a couple of times. So yeah, okay. we're well aware. <laughs> you know, Mike, and, and one of the things that he shared with me one day when we had him on a podcast was a lot of the research is showing that it's it's really the overhunting of the birds during the mating season that's disturbing a lot of the the uh, mating and a lot of the nesting. And he said something to me that stuck with me. He said, you know, 15 years ago, the way people hunted them, hend up turkeys would take care of themselves because they were very hard to kill. And he said with the advent of the fanning techniques and the strutting decoy techniques and so on and so forth, he said it's it's allowed people to be a lot more effective during the mating season when peak breeding's going on and really dominant mature gobblers are getting taken out and it, they're not backfilling it to take care of those hens. So we've started to really kind of steer away from those situations when we see, you know, what looks to be a, a mature mating tom with five or six hens. We'll just we'll go the other way, you know, and try them another day. 
or, yeah. you know, especially if there's not other birds in the vicinity. Now, however, if there's six or seven goblin within, you know, a couple hundred acres and it's not, it's not, a, it's not as bad a deal to kill a turkey out of that. But I, I, what he told me really stuck with me. So we started managing that point. And, and a lot of times we won't go back to those, those bigger, older turkeys that have been with a lot of hens till the latter part of the season after he's done his breeding, which is one thing he recommended hunting them lading, later in the, in the mating cycle, as opposed to early. So, uh, I, I think that was good advice. However, I don't think that's the whole reason that we're seeing declines in the turkey population. I think it's multifactorial, you know, exactly. You, you talk- nest predators all the different um herbicides that are new within the last decade to try and take care of these weeds uh the coatings on the seed uh that they're out there in the field picking on so those are some things i scratch my head about and wonder you know can this be good good for them you know because a lot of these things these hybrids are changing and you know that that wasn't part of their diet before is that part of what's killing them yeah uh you see turkeys with pox and and blackhead which i don't think there's really any way to uh avoid you know them getting that but in, in general though i will say our population because we've been so careful with it over the last 10 years say the same time that we're seeing a, a really major decline in a lot of parts of the Midwest, our bird numbers are very good on our farms. They're, they are the same as they were a decade ago. I haven't seen much decline. You see uh, undulations with the population based on hatches, but in general, we've had decent hatches the last three or four years. You know, okay hatches, not great. Yeah. Uh, so, so far, so good, but I keep waiting for you know, the shooter drop and all of a sudden I go out there and my birds are gone. It, it, it happened to a good buddy of mine, Stephen McBee this year. He's like, man, I had so many birds in the winter. And he goes, I go spring turkey at me. He goes, it's like they disappeared. And yeah. Stephen and his family, they, they farm over 20,000 acres. So it's a big giant, you know, uh, parcels that they're looking at. And he was like, I don't know where my birds went, you know, so, you know, and they don't hunt theirs very hard either. So that's, that's concerning. Yeah, for sure. I, I've said it, you know, my family farm, we've had in the nineties and early two thousand. my gosh, it seemed like there were turkeys everywhere. And then during the teens, uh, a couple really wet springs, bad hatches, and we hunted them pretty hard one year. And we all filled tags and it was like, okay, there's still some decent gobblers around. And then it was like lights off one or two birds and it was like all right boys we're staying out of there for a few years let them rebuild and and we this was the first year we went back and that we heard a lot of turkeys and it was like okay oh, we can we can good. do things we can manipulate habitat and we can do a lot of things to bring the turkeys back but then when you talk to neighbors or you talk to people in your county and they're like it's terrible it's terrible and i hear guys up in north say it's worst season in 45 years you're like whoa some things are going on and it makes you wonder if guys like you and I that are doing a lot of habitat, we're going to end up being the the islands of of birds. Yep. And <laughs> if restocking comes along, we're going to be the ones having to carry the weight, I guess. <laughs> Potentially, you know, the other thing that doesn't get talked about a great deal, <clears throat> they took out like twenty five percent of the CRP contracts about three years ago. Yep. And I don't I, that does not get talked about. So that habitat just got wiped away. It went back into productive tillable in many cases. And when you start doing that on a, on a large scale like that, that's a lot of habitat, a lot of nesting habitat that just got wiped away. And it also led to, you know, less uh, nesting and less nest uh, success. Yeah. So 
uh, I haven't heard many people talk about that, but I do think that has has had some play in it, coupled with nest predation, the wet springs, all the other factors yeah. we've talked about. I, I think it all just piles on a bird that's that's hard to keep alive anyway. Yeah, I mean, you can get on social media and ask, okay, what what do you guys believe is the cause for turkey decline? And you'll get a list of a mile long. And almost every single one of them is right in some aspect. Yeah, there's more predators. There's less trappers. The habitat's worse. The timber's overstocked. Flooding. Um, over-harvesting. It's like, you all are correct. And yep. that's the issue of trying to fix this, is there's so many things we have to do to try to help. Um, and so that's one of the... What, you brought up something about um, about herbicides and different things. I remember as a kid, and I'm not that old... Uh, at least, uh, I wish I was still really young, but I remember even when I was a kid, and that wasn't that long ago, but you would drive through the countryside and your windshield would be covered in bugs. And yep. now you drive through the countryside and it just doesn't, it's just not nearly as many bugs as it seems like. And that, of course, bugs being a huge part of a turkey's diet, it's a little bit concerning there too. I can't disagree with that. And, and I'm, you know, you look at, we came out with Roundup however many years ago, 30 maybe. I don't know what it was. And, and that was the the uh, choice herbicide for many years. And then all of a sudden you have a bunch of weeds that are resistant to, to that. Yep. And now they're coming out with super killers to kill all these weeds, you know. And you think, man, this just can't be good for the ecosystem in general. Yep. Uh, and I'm, I'm not – you know, I'm not knocking it because that's what we use to keep our food plots clean. Yeah. But you wonder what damage, you know, we might be doing to different different wildlife species. Absolutely. Know? Yep. But you know, I'm also a big, you know, I love warm season grass stands. And um, I, I think that also helps because I have so much of it on, on my farms. Yeah. I've got I've got freaking. Uh, pheasant out the out the wazoo i've got turkeys that are in in good shape you know we've got quail populations so yep. a lot of it's probably just lack of habitat when you get right down to it yeah i mean you can drive through and see farms like your like yours or any other guy who's really devoted to improving habitat and really managing for wildlife and you'll see a lot of diversity with grasses, managed timber, some burning thrown in there. And you're like, okay, that, that, yeah, they got some stuff going. And then you can quickly get out, out of that and see overgrazed pasture or plowed over fields for four months or uh, timber just full of invasives. And you're like, oh, yeah, uh, I, it'd be tough for a turkey to survive on that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, Looking back, I, you know, in the 90s and early 2000s or even go to the 80s, where do you, I, I guess, here's a question. If you were, if you were asked the eighties, nineties, early two thousands, what, what 10 year period right there, would you say the turkeys were the, it was the best hunting? If I had to pick a period, I would say probably the nineties. If I just had to pick a period that or the early two thousands right in there, it was pretty darn good for a long period of time. And it really seems like it's been the last decade or so that we've started to see some some major declines in the Midwest, and you know, of course, out of that last decade, we've we've had hundred year, five hundred year, and thousand year events flooding in in many of the the reservoirs and and river bottoms throughout the Midwest. You know, and when you start having those types of you know historical flooding events all within ten to fifteen years, you know you're doing some damage to a lot of ground nesters. Uh, I mean, there's just no other way around it. So 
like we keep saying, it's it's very multifactorial. But man, take me back to 1995 or 97. <laughs> I mean, there was turkeys everywhere, and I, and I remember those years specifically because those were the years that I had mad and I had big camps with riders coming in. And I mean, it was it was just nothing to go out and get a get a turkey for a rider, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, because we had lots of opportunities and and lots of birds, and you could strike birds back then. These days, it's very difficult to strike a turkey uh, mid morning, whereas back then you could. And we just don't have the the big numbers of two year olds every year like we like we did back then. We're just not raising turkeys like we are like we were then anymore. Yeah, I remember, you know, in the 90s and early 2000s, like you would hear turkeys in their in their traditional spots, but it would be four or five longbeards. And now it's like one or two. Um, and, and it's just not or none at all for a lot of people. And it's just like, even though our population is rebounded, it's still not where it was in the 90s. No, it's not. And and I do remember one one thing that I saw a really steep decline there probably in the late 90s, early 2000s, Jared and I were turkey hunting in Iowa, and we happened across this bird that was standing out in a, in a long uh, uh, food plot, and he just stood there, and we started sneaking in on him, and he continued to stand there, and wasn't long, we were like, this turkey's not spotting us, something's wrong, and we ended up walking over to the turkey. This was over a two-hour period. We finally figured out something's really wrong with him, and he had so much stuff growing on his head uh, like, and it had covered his eyes, like with blackhead. And, oh, and, and when, when that happened, like there were mornings where I'd go out and hear 20 or 30 different birds gobbling every morning and the next spring, and that was the only Turkey I found like that. The next spring, I could barely hear two or three birds gobbling where I used to hear 20 or 30. So we had a, a major die off of blackhead somewhere there in the early two thousands. And I wonder if that hasn't occurred in some areas lately here as well yeah uh, i just wonder about it because you really don't find them you don't know what happened they're just they just they die and, and they're gone you know yeah uh i i i just wonder if that didn't happen to steven based on steven McBee based on the story he he relayed to me so absolutely you know yeah. is that spreading again that's my thought you know it's been mm-hmm. quite a while since i've heard of it but uh, could that be part of what's wrong right now yeah yeah I- i've heard that from multiple people winter flocks everywhere just giant flock and then flip a switch and they're gone yeah Yeah, so so are the avian pox you know killing some of our flocks you know i I haven't heard any biologists talking about it but it would be an explanation that makes sense for the drastic die-offs you know yeah you would you would certainly think that there'd be some feather piles laying around and people would see them during turkey season but with as many predators are on the landscape now they a dead turkey probably vanishes pretty quickly I would think they vanish pretty quickly. Yep. Yeah. So, oof, um, what are some of the things you guys are doing uh, on your farms? And you, you mentioned not over hunting, but any kind of habitat things that you that you really enjoy and feel like are a huge help to the wild turkey? Absolutely. You know, I mentioned it briefly there, but we plant a lot of warm season grasses and then the management of those grasses on a annual or every biannual period, you know, just keeping that, you know, unwanted brush down, burning it every three years, you know, taking a fire through it and keeping those grasses healthy, uh, doing it at the right time of the year. So you're not affecting, uh, any nesting, Mm -hmm. uh, at the time that you're burning, but, and, and then, you know, if you've got, 
a few hundred acres of grass, don't burn it all at once, you know, burn a portion and then next year burn more and don't get rid of all the nesting in the, in the same year. Uh, we're doing a lot of TSI work on the farms and in, in areas that I think would improve habitat. And back to my original point, just really being gentle with that overall population and, you know, not taking, you know, I can remember back when, you know, in the nineties, hell, if two birds came in and you doubled, you were out there high five and now anymore, we really don't con- consider doubling. Uh, you know, we'll take one, leave the other one go. And we're just very careful about that overall population number. And the other thing we do is we keep track of our population from year to year. We have a chart with all the farms that we hunt and we have number of birds heard, number of jakes seen, number of birds killed. And, and we have a running chart now that's uh, we're in our fourth year on that. And as an example, last year in the spring of 2019, we saw 72 jakes across the entire spring across all of our populations, uh, our, our properties rather. This year we were at 96 jakes. So we had a little a bit of a bump up and we ended up killing the exact same number of turkeys, which was 32, two years in a row. And we've got a, a huge carryover uh, annually from one farm to the next, from one year to the next, to make sure that, you know, we, we do never, we never want to kill more than about 25% of what we think is there on the landscape. And I I have a a better feeling if we're killing about, you know, 15 to 20% of what's there. So we're, we're very careful about how many turkeys we'll kill. And, And we base a lot of that off of how many jakes we saw there the previous spring, how many we're hearing there this spring, how many jakes we're seeing currently so we have confidence to know that it's going to backfill and so on and so forth. So we really do look at the numbers on a, on a daily basis on our charts to see where we were and where we're at now. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds like some great stuff you guys have it going on. Um, really good ideas. Hopefully some guys caught that and are doing this and will incorporate that into their own farm. So let's talk a little bit about regs, if you don't mind. Um, Mark, with with these gradual declines and things, are there things? Uh, it sounds kind of like you guys have already self, I guess, self regulated yourselves uh, to 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 really ensure healthy populations. But you know, regulations are tough. That's we're basically they're set for adult turkeys. So there's not really anything. One of the biggest issues is the fact that we don't we're not raising more turkeys. A lot of people, you know, when when a hen on average has less than one. I think it's like 0.8 poults per hen across the state. It's not really, I mean, that's that's not setting a, a population up for a long-term sustainability. Um, so are there ideas based in Missouri? You know, we get to hunt three weeks. We get two toms. There's a fall season where you can shoot both male or female turkeys. Where do you feel MDC should go from here uh, in trying to ensure healthy populations? You know, I, I think in certain parts of the state it would be healthy uh you know they they have different management zones for deer right and and they manage different parts of the state you know down to the county for different differently particularly cwd zones so on and so forth so i don't know why they couldn't go county by county or region by region and really start to look at the overall population where it was you know 20 years ago 10 years ago and where it's at now and perhaps consider eliminating the fall season, perhaps yep. considering taking certain areas to one bird, perhaps considering taking the season to two weeks, 
perhaps considering moving the season a little bit later so that the bulk of the breeding has already occurred. I yep. think that would be a major plus right there if they would just do it a little bit later so that they're not killing those birds when they're out there in the peak of breeding and the breeding's already done and the hens are nesting. Like it, it wouldn't upset me at all to see everything move forward a week to 10 days in the Missouri spring and Iowa as well, both of them, so that you're hunting a little bit later. Yes, the hunting can be a little bit tougher, but that's okay if, if the long-term goal is to make sure we have sustainable populations that are that are actually increasing in population rather than decreasing in population. Whether they'll do any of this or not, I don't know, uh, but how bad does it have to get before they start to consider some of these things? Because, man, there's a lot of guys that are just flat out not going hunting anymore because the birds aren't there. So, you know, it may, the problem may help fix itself just by lack of participation from hunters because once the resource isn't there, guys aren't interested enough to go, it may start repopulating a little bit on its own because of, you know, the hunting pressure is going to, uh, you know, certainly take a decline as well because the, the resource isn't there to hunt. So, but I, I, I do wish they would implement some of those things, something to at least show that they're aware of the problem and that they're trying to help the areas that are really hardest hit. Uh, there's areas in our state or in Missouri rather that are in terrible shape, you know, used to be able to hear 10, 12 turkeys. Now you're lucky if you hear one, you know, mm -hmm. yep. and, uh, they're, just, they're just not there anymore. So they, they're going to have to do something in, in many parts of the state, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think a lot of guys would agree with that. Now, it's just an ongoing question I ask people of what do you think they should do or what would you what ideas would you have and and it kind of comes down to the growing trend of maybe knock it down to one bird in places or statewide, whatever we have to do, maybe knock it down to 2 weeks, maybe remove the fall turkey season, and then another one that I hear a lot is maybe open up trapping season, do something more like the southern states where you could trap almost year round, uh, yep. especially during tra during nesting season and uh you know all of it would work it's just a question of whether or not the state agency will implement it and and that brings up a question that i have for you um that i've been hearing uh a lot through the internet and forums and social media world that a major discussion the mdc is going to have is opening up all day hunting to kind of combat the drop in and tag sales so if i can ask what are your overall thoughts on possibility of Missouri opening up to all day hunting versus closing down at one o'clock each day? You know, it, for years, for decades, Missouri was looked at as the shining spot in the country for turkey management. And it, we've always had a close that it, at either noon or one. And I, I think it should stay like that. It, it worked forever for decades. It worked very, very well. My personal belief is it should stay like that. I hunt both Missouri and Iowa. There are opportunities in Iowa to hunt all day. Missouri obviously closes at one. But even in Iowa, those afternoon hunts, they're just not the same as the morning hunts. There's nothing like being out there when they're goblin and most active. And you can go out there and kill a turkey in, in the afternoon. But, heck, if the problem is decline in population, why are we trying to give even more opportunity to go kill more turkeys? You know, we, we need to be doing things, in my opinion, to reduce the overall harvest and allow them to rebound a little bit because that's the beauty of, of them. They can come back quickly. You give us two or three good hatches in a row, and all of a sudden you're going to be teeming with turkeys statewide again because they can multiply so very quickly, but they're going to have to 
we got to give them that opportunity at some point. So uh, I'm not a big fan of the all-day hunting. I do it in Iowa. But, uh, you know, the other thing to consider is just how long the days are in the spring. And if you're out there hunting them all day long, it's also taxing on the on the hunters. I mean, it's it's uh, you get really tired if you're hunting <laughs> in all day all day state, you know, because the days are so long. So my preference is I like that one o'clock cutoff. I always have. And, uh, you know, you also t- reduce some of the p- uh, pressure out there in the woods. I, I always heard the reason they implemented that was to reduce the pressure when the hens were on their nest or tending to their nest. And I, I think that's probably wise. Uh, and I, I don't, I don't disagree with the one o'clock stop at all. I mean, I don't think the all day hunting is necessary by any means. Look, it's, look how long it's worked so very well. Yeah, exactly. And I agree with that 100%, but yeah, Mark, well, hopefully there's brighter days ahead. Sounds like you've got some great turkey hunting ahead, uh, with, with all the stuff you guys are doing. I appreciate you joining us and uh, sharing your thoughts and sharing about the season. And, uh, thank you so much. Hey, I appreciate it, Adam. Thank you for having me on. All right. So we're going to jump into this podcast. Uh, we're fortunate enough to have Michael Hunsucker and Sean Luchtel here from Heartland Bowhunter. Guys, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. Yeah. We appreciate you bringing us on. So it's, it's interesting guys. I, I I'll, I'll just explain. So we do a podcast each week and it's Matt Dye, my business partner and I, so it's two of us and we do a lot of interviews with different podcasts. And this is the first time where we've actually had another duo host or, or come on um, to our podcast. So it's a, uh, when we get going, I know there's probably times where when I ask a question, it's going to be piggybacked. One of you will probably answer and the other one will add to it. Um, so I like that. I like that. Uh, I guess, tag team mentality here. So for our audience, tell us a little bit about the start of Heartland Bowhunter, how long you guys been doing it, and kind of what you focus on or what your overall message of Heartland Bowhunter is. Yeah, well, we'll try to uh, not talk over each other because uh, <laughs> it's hard to do, especially when on these uh, on these, these calls because you can't see each other, so you never know what's going on. But uh, anyways, yeah, no, we – Sean and I um, have been friends forever. We kind of grew up hunting together and went to middle school, high school together, and um, basically just had, you know, common passion in bow hunting. Not a lot of guys who we grew up with were that serious into bow hunting. And uh, so we kind of naturally gravitated uh, towards one another and became friends and started hunting together, started filming some stuff for fun. I mean, back in the day with just a little handy cam and got a little more serious into it, um, started investing in some some uh, higher end equipment as we were getting into, into our college years. And um, long story short, uh, started manufacturing tree arms really uh, is what we, what we did to first get our, our foot in the door and um, then started kind of producing episodic content with the, the TV route, started putting together stories and episodes and telling stories. That was kind of our big focus was just quality and, and storytelling. There wasn't a whole lot of that going on at the time. And so, uh, kind of all blew up from there. You know, we were young in college and uh, didn't know what we were what we were going to do, but we knew we wanted to kind of run our own business and it kind of fit our passion and our and our hobby and uh, took it off from there. Yeah, that's exactly right. I I, I usually let Mike tell the story because he's actually usually more long winded with it, but that was pretty good, <laughs> short and concise. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, Matt and I, our, my business partner, it's it's funny because when we answer questions, it's like you get the short and sweet version from me usually, 
and I'll leave out major details. And then with him, he'll give every detail. And we always laugh. Yeah. And it's like, oh, we got the long-winded. And then the guy who's just too short. Hey, we're trying to be concise <laughs> here on this podcast. We're not – this isn't an hour-long podcast now. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so <clears throat> the topic of this week is is turkey season. And uh, I feel like we've, we've drug on. So, guys, that you know, we've done turkey series from basically February. We talked about all the habitat management that we do and recommend to transitioning into the hunting season. And now here we are still talking about it. And I know there's guys that are probably like, I'm sick of talking about turkeys. I'm sick of hearing about turkeys. But I think it's important that we stick to it because it's not a uh, – it's not a wonderful uh, story right now for the wild turkey uh, through much of the United States. So before we jump into that, tell me a little bit about your guys' spring season. Was it a, was this successful? Yeah. Yep. Um, we had a pretty good season. I would say uh, I, I kind of kicked mine off out in Kansas and um, you know, I've, actually that's usually where I always kick mine off sometimes Nebraska, but it never seems to go well for me there. So I didn't go there this year, but um yeah, I kicked it off there, and I let Chandler, the guy that spends the majority of his time filming me, I let him um, shoot first. He'd actually never killed a turkey in his entire life, so uh, oh, we were geez. able to get him one. Yeah, out there with our, our buddy Cole Shoemaker, and uh, he um, <clears throat> he filled his first turkey tag, and then um, I was up to bat there on the last day and didn't didn't get an opportunity, but um, yeah, I went from there back to Missouri, and we, we had a decent season, I would say, in Missouri. It still wasn't anything like it used to be, but, um, compared to the last couple of years, it, it wasn't horrible. Um, and then I went out and killed my first Miriam's out in Wyoming. So it was good for me. And I know Mike had a, had a hit and miss season, but I'd say overall it wasn't, wasn't too bad. Yeah. I mean, we, uh, I, I kicked that off in Kansas too. And I, I actually killed both my Kansas birds in, uh, three days, I believe. So, and one of the days was just bad wind or just bad rain and wind. And so the hunting in Kansas was great. Um, you know, I was in kind of same, same as Sean, North central, Northwestern Kansas and, uh, hunting Rio's out there. And then I went with, uh, with Brandon to, to Colorado who films with me and I filmed him that for, for a handful of days out there. And it was, it was pretty, pretty hit or miss out there. The birds were, they were pretty grouped up and they were, not real receptive to calls and decoys. Um, and uh, so we ended up making one pay at the, the last day with a shotgun. Uh, he wasn't coming home. Brandon didn't want to come home empty handed. So uh, <laughs> we, we got even with him on the last day and sat under the roost with no decoys and made it happen. It was, it was pretty, pretty cool hunt. But uh, yeah, Missouri was kind of same old story for, for me. Uh, just, just tough, man. And it's been, it's been that way for the past few years really really hit or miss and um I, I don't know I've just you know I've never I've never seen birds so like decoy shy and and just just weird acting is the best way to put it I mean just just weird like we hunt enough to where like occasionally like you'll get a, on a bird that just happens to do it right and you get you know it all comes together but man it, it just just weird and, and the way we do it obviously you know, we bow hunt primarily. Um, and so we're bow hunting, we're not using ground blind. So you almost have to use decoys, you know, we're filming. Uh, so you got two guys sitting out there with camera equipment and bow, you know, and, and, and trying to brush in or whatever. And so, you know, you almost have to have decoys to get the attention off of you. It's not like you're just sitting up against a tree with a shotgun and, you know, if they see you too late game over, you know? So, um, 
you know, it's just, it's, it's, we need the birds to cooperate in order for it to come together the way, you know, we want it to come together. So when they're acting like, you know, any sort of decoy shy or hanging up, it just makes it really, really difficult. So it's been a, it's definitely been a challenge the past, you know, I'd say three to four years, really. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's quite the challenge to try to bow hunt turkeys, no blind from the ground. Uh, I, I attempted it a couple of times and I was like, nope, not for me. We're going to stick yeah. to the shotguns. Um, so I, my hat's off to you guys for making that happen. Um, well, it's, it's, it's one of those deals. It's a huge rush, but it, if they're committed to the decoys, and you, it's a lot of times, you know, we're usually using a Jake decoy, right, or, or some sort of strutter male decoy, yeah. and they're coming in aggressive, they're coming to fight, or at least coming in and strutting around it in circles. And so once they strut facing away and they block their head with their tail fan, it gives you the opportunity to draw. And usually sometimes if they're like whacking the decoy, kicking it, spurring it, like they're so mad, you can, you can get away with a lot. Um, but either way, you know, you, you can, you can get away with getting your bow, bow drawn and, and get it done. But if they don't commit to the decoys, man, oh, it's tough to get drawn back without them seeing you and, and freaking out. Mm. And nobody wants to shoot at a bird, you know, walking away or running away or, you know, just, they're just tough, tough to kill as is. So. Yeah. What, totally off topic but what kind of uh are you guys since you're bow hunting are you head shooting or are you body shooting and what broadhead are you using to make that uh most effective yeah we're uh a lot of times we're body shooting them um with uh nap kill zone max okay. usually which what is that like a two and i can't remember mike is it two two three eights i think three eights yeah yeah um, cutting diameter which which helps Big. a lot. Um, but yeah, like, you know, some, I mean, we've shot a, few, a handful over the years in the head, um, which is obviously more effective. Drops them right in their tracks, but <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a tough shot too. I mean, cause, I mean, cause getting them in inside of even 15 yards is, is really, really tough. Um, so, uh, hitting a small head over 15 yards is, is extremely tough. So we tend to, to body shoot them. Yeah, most of the guys that most of the guys that are using the guillotines, head shooting them, are using are you know using double bolts, getting them really close, you know, in a, in a pop up blind. And so, uh, for us, you know, we're yeah we're using just expandable broadheads. And for turkeys, it's like if you're gonna bow hunt them, like the bigger the broadhead, the better. Like, you know, you're not too concerned about penetration, and their vitals are tiny, so like, you know, the bigger the broadhead, the the, the more advantage you have. Interesting. Well, that's good to know. I know it's such a small room for air just to even get the turkey within range. So that's why I had to ask that follow-up question. It was like, man, there's a lot of variables stacked against you guys to make that successful. So when you see it all unfold on video, it's probably uh, a lot of stuff that goes into it to make it all happen that people probably forget. Yeah, I think the biggest thing, honestly, for like us, though, our style is even though we are kind of running gun with a bow, you know, and it still takes time for us to set up. And as you know, I mean, think of how many turkey hunts you've had that have come together in the, you know, blink of an eye kind of, oh, bird fired up. You sat down, you called a couple times, and boom, there he was. Like, that's the one thing that I, that I miss being able to do is just literally be extremely mobile and be set up in the matter of 30 seconds instead of five minutes, 10, you know, whatever. Five minutes is probably about as fast as we can – we can make it happen by, you know, getting the decoys out, you know, getting set down, setting the tripods up and all that kind of stuff. So, Oh man. 
Yeah, that that definitely for a guy with little patience as is, I can see why toting a shotgun is is probably more my game. Oh man, so let's talk a little bit. You mentioned it um, about the uh, population the last few years. You guys are both Missouri boys, so where would you rate it on a scale of one to ten? Um, currently where we're at as far as healthy population, you go out, you hear turkeys gobbling, you've got multiple options to go. Um, and just overall seeing hens, seeing just a lot of turkeys. And I would have to say compared to what it used to be, I would give it a five. I would say, um, it's just, I feel like there used to be a lot more options and we, granted we're hunting, I would say some of the best, the best ground, um, in the area to, to turkey hunt and compared to what it used to be, I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's not what it, what it once was. And, uh, and there, I would, for instance, our farm up North, gosh, you'd go there and, you know, you'd hear eight to 12 birds in the morning and have a few different options there to go after them. And then now it's like, you might have a day like that. And then you might, I mean, I had a day where I didn't, I couldn't find a bird, a single one couldn't hear, didn't hear a gobble. And that's mm. just unheard of. I feel like for that area. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's, it's definitely gone downhill pretty quickly over the last few years. Yeah. And we're hunting, you know, we're hunting a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of private ground um, and some bigger tracks, some smaller tracks, a little variety of everything. But like, it seems like, you know, even on the properties where, you know, there are, you know, fairly good populations. Um, you, you know, you just don't get those, those satellite birds on, you know, on the properties adjoining like the small tracks, like we hunt a lot of stuff, um, you know, locally that, that we have little, you know, an 80 acre piece here, or 60 acre piece here that used to have, you know, two gobblers on it every year, or, you know, properties that traditionally have birds on every year that don't even have a single bird on them now. And, um, you know, it's just been one of those, one of those deals where it's just like, you know, the, the farms that have good populations have continued to have turkeys, but the the hunting has gotten way more difficult. And it's just, I don't know, I don't, I can't explain it. I don't know enough about it to where if, if it's their, they understand their social structure and they, you know, they know the birds know each other really well, way, way more than uh, they did when the numbers were higher and birds moved around and the competition was higher. Uh, I don't know. There's, there's, there's obviously a reason, you know, that, that, that they're acting differently and that it's gotten to be more, more difficult. Um, and, and observed numbers are for sure, of sure way down. And I actually got to looking, you know, uh, MDC sent out the, you know, harvest report for this year. And I got to looking back at the history and, um, they quit, I believe they quit, um, releasing the number of licenses sold. Uh, but I can, I look back at the data of the harvest data, and you can just see the downward trend um, over the past, I don't know, six years, basically since like, you know, 2016, um, there's been a pretty strong downward trend in harvest numbers, which, you know, obviously that can be affected by uh, hunter participation, which that was their, that was what they claimed the numbers this year were down because hunter participation was down compared to last year with, with COVID, uh, a lot of people at home, you know, uh, able to work from home numbers, hunter participation was way up. And so that was created kind of a false spike in the, in the harvest numbers. But overall that you can see the trend has been, 
on the downward slide. And uh, I'd love to see that compared to license sales, uh, but I couldn't find, couldn't find that data. But uh, there's no doubt that, you know, uh, that numbers are on the decline for sure, at least in areas in, in the state that we're hunting. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I'll reiterate, that's what we've seen, um, you know, as far as the harvest, I can still remember 04, that was the most successful, most birds harvested in a three-week season in that 24 years of a three-week season. It was like over 60,000 birds harvested in 04. Um, and it's basically kind of gradually fallen off with a few upticks, but you can see the pattern is definitely going down from 04. Um, I was, I actually was able to um, dig and make some contacts, but there was about a, just under a 10% um, drop in license sales from 2020 to 2021. It was just over 11,000 um, tags uh, that, that were fewer sold from those two years. So in case you guys hadn't heard those numbers. So, you know, once again, you said it, Mike, 2020, a lot of guys were off work because of COVID. So there was kind of that false uptick. I don't, I find it very hard to believe that, that MDC is just saying that the harvest numbers were down because of fewer people hunting. We all three can sit there and say, I don't think that's the only, that's the main reason. I agree. I mean, obviously when we have a slow morning, um, and the hunt doesn't go as planned or maybe you didn't hear a gobbler or whatever. We're back at the truck uh, earlier than expected. And the first thing we always do is drive around. So we do a lot of driving around as well. And I mean, you get a good idea for what other birds are in the area. And you also get a good idea of what other hunters are in the area. And I mean, we've been doing that for years and I feel like we're, we're seeing far more hunters um, in the mm -hmm. surrounding areas that we hunt. And, yep. and I feel like that's expected um, with, with more people getting into hunting. And, I mean, we're surrounded by it every single day. We get to see how many, how the, the community has grown. And I know that we hear that a lot. Oh, the hunter numbers are down and, um, you know, we need to get more people into hunting. Well, I, I feel like we have. Um, as far as from the grand scheme of things, with the total population in the country, you know, maybe – the hunter recruitment as far as how many people um, we're adding to our population each year and then the amount of hunters and the increase there, maybe that is down. But um, overall, as far as a hunter population, there's no doubt that it's grown. Mm -hmm. I think uh, about it in my mind. from the, from the two thousands when I was in high school to, to now just doing the drive around. I can remember when you would see, or you, you would mess up on a bird or kill a bird and it's the next guy up and you would drive around. It wouldn't take very far. You'd find birds. There'd be birds in fields. There'd be lone hens walking around. And it is just not that case right now. Um, you drive around, it's like, you're lucky to see a few hens around. And there's yeah. certainly not that wad of wad of turkeys where there's a strutter and six hens in this field and go a little further. And there's a couple strutters and a few hens like, we're not seeing it. Uh, and it sounds like the same thing for you guys. Mm -hmm. So yep. what would you guys, you know, as we, as we look at this, what kind of ideas would you have um, as far as things that MDC or just things to consider? Maybe it's just the private landowner um, of things he can do directly on his farm that may help versus regulations 
Um, Michael, why don't you kick us off and, and ideas that you have? Well, I mean, obviously there's a problem and there's um, probably a lot of contributing factors, you know, multiple um, that are contributing to the, to the problem of the turkey population decrease. But I think, you know, first and foremost, I think the number one easiest way would be to limit the number of birds that people are, are able to harvest. Uh, you saw Kansas do it last year or a year before last on the eastern part of the state where traditionally Kansas is a two-bird state and in the eastern part of the state where numbers are down, uh, they they went to you know, one bird only. And, um, I think, listen, I love the turkey. I love killing turkeys, but I want to be able to do this for a long time. And I want my kids to be able to enjoy this. Like we did growing up, man. Like I took my son out one time and got right underneath the roost, like perfect. I was like, God, we'll just put out a Hindi koi with a shotgun. You know, we got so close to the roost pitch black, you know, perfect. And he the bird flew down, like saw the decoy, like shy, went the other way. And my son was just like, Oh, like he was all excited, but then like, it's not fun for kids when, you know, when the, when the birds aren't cooperating and doing it right. So, you know, if, if us going from a two to two birds to one bird, you know, makes that difference and we can get the swing population going back the other way, I'm all for, all for that. Um, you know, that's just one step that, that could, could help things. You know, I, I'm sure the data's out there, but you know, probably the majority of hunters don't shoot two birds anyways. So it may not make, that may, may, may not make that much of an impact. Um, but at least that's a, would be a start in the right direction. Um, you know, we, we do a lot of prescribed fire, a lot of, uh, timber stand improvement type projects on our properties that help, you know, create nesting and, um, habitat and that type of stuff. And so, you know, that's a, an area that could be, you know, improved. I know there's been a lot of loss of habitat through CRP programs going away and that type of stuff to where, you know, there, there's less nesting habitat. And that makes it more easy for predation. Um, and so that could be another contributing factor. Uh, but I think if we kind of can get, get everybody on board and get a, get a, a movement going forward of, of kind of attacking all the different aspects, um, I think that's, you know, going to be a start in the right direction. Yeah, I, I agree with Mike. Um, I think we've, we've definitely all need to come together and, and try to, um, turn this thing around because it isn't headed in the right direction. And, um, I don't, I don't think shooting more turkeys is, is necessarily going to help being, being able to shoot two turkeys. But like Mike said, I don't know. I also don't know how much of an effect that really has because there's not that many guys out there that probably are filling both tags. Um, I'd have to see that data to really know. Uh, but yeah, I think habitat is the most important and crucial thing. And, um, predation like like mike said as well but from the habitat standpoint you know i think burning and tsi as well like you said helps tremendously um, especially for nesting purposes and trying to restructure that native habitat to where it needs to be and that's something that's kind of gone unnoticed over the last well probably forever um <laughs> and and uh you know there's invasive species everywhere that doesn't help and i think just people being better informed with how to create that habitat and be it, make it better um, is very crucial. And here's my shameless plug. We're putting on a, a, uh, <laughs> a film and land school here in a couple months to where we, we will actually go over uh, our, our habitat structures and, and how we improve the habitat on the farms that we hunt. And, and that's actually something that, you know, we, we've always talked about is creating better habitat for, for wildlife and deer, but I, it, 
it kind of goes unnoticed um, for turkeys and, and the nesting, like I was saying. I think that um, that we can all help improve that by, by going through and doing prescribed fire and um, just kind of getting that forest floor cleared out and native vegetation coming back. But, yeah, predation as well. Sorry, I think I'm kind of rambling on here, but predation has definitely gone unnoticed too. Um, yeah. The fur bears market is <laughs> – isn't worth much anymore so nobody really um coon hunts i don't i don't believe in no nope. um i know the coons the possums the skunks and now i guess <laughs> even armadillos like there's a dead one down the road from here <laughs> which i've never even seen here at my house um no kidding they're yeah, making their way north they're starting to starting now to move in and come down to my place and have all of them you want I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, they they wreak havoc on those turkey nests, as we all know. So. Yeah, so you said a couple things there that uh, really point out to me. And when we talk about regulation changes, and it's like how many guys are really killing two birds? Probably not a ton. But at the same time, I think of, of the deer season. is like it wasn't that long ago we had three buck tags. And MDC, I mean, the 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 – the percentage of people filling all three buck tags was very, very small, but MDC felt it was a nice enough step in the right direction to remove that one. So it makes me go, well, there's probably hope that they would say, okay, you know, we're going to knock it down to one tag, hopefully for just a few years, let the population build back up. I don't know. I mean, in this day and age, it's, it's hard to say what MDC is going to do. Yeah. I mean, and they're like, you know, listen, they're under a lot of pressure, right? Like it's, it's like a, you know, you can't make everybody happy. It's, it's totally. a lose, lose situation. Um, so obviously, you know, they're doing the best they can with what they have. And, and, and obviously you mentioned before the call, you know, we're, we're in Missouri, we're in a lot better situation than a lot of other, you know, States and agencies. And, and yep. so it's, you know, it's, um, it's difficult to, you know, point the finger in any one direction, like I said, but, um, you know, when it comes down to making decisions like that, that deer tag change, like on the surface is like, Oh, look, like they care, like they're making a decision. They're, they're trying to do something when yeah. in, in reality, it's like, okay, what's, what's that really going to do? You know, how many guys are really killing three bucks and it's a pretty small, probably didn't make that big of a change, but it's a step in the right direction. And, um, the Turkey thing I think would be, would be similar. And, um, you know, I don't know. It's interesting. I, I, it's every state's different. Everybody approaches things differently. You know, we hunt Kansas and Nebraska and, uh, they both have early archery seasons and have separate shotgun seasons. Missouri's always had just three week season, any weapon. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's interesting too. And, you know, that obviously I'm sure plays a role in, in the harvest of birds and the pressure of birds and, um, in the hunting pressure, so to speak. And so, yeah. Um, you know, in Missouri, we got three weeks and those birds are getting hammered three weeks straight. They're getting pressured, 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 pressured. Yep. And granted, we do only, and this is maybe kind of segue into in your next segment, but we do only hunt mornings. You know, we can only hunt till one o'clock yep. in Missouri where the Kansas and Nebraska can hunt all day. And so uh, Missouri's pressure on the turkeys is more concentrated in three weeks, but we do give them the evenings off to, you know, breed, roost, re regroup and all that stuff as opposed to the other states where you can hunt all all day, but seasons are months, you know, months long. So. Absolutely. So yeah, that is a great segue. Um, we've heard rumors and it's becoming more and more um, talked about 
through online forums and and um, Facebook groups, but it appears that one of the big pushes that Missouri Department of Conservation will make for 2022 season would be an all-day hunting season, which is almost just mind-blowing to me from a from a guy that I don't remember a time where it ever was all day in Missouri. So it's like the idea that you could hunt in the afternoons. It's just like, almost like the, 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 the purity of the, of the MDC season or the Missouri season where it's like, you had to shut it off at one um, is like, I can't even, I can't even grasp what that would even look like, or even if I would want to do it. Um, but you know, I, I feel like, well, I'll let you guys answer before I give my, before my, I give my take, but it's a little weird in this day and age to be considering expanding the hours that we can hunt. But if that was, well, I guess, what is your guys' thoughts on that? Sean, kick it off. I, I do not think that's a good idea at all. Uh, I just, I don't know. I, I, like you just said, Adam, it's, it's a tradition almost. It's become a tradition in Missouri to, to cut it off at one o'clock and, and, and really go go on about your business and take care of your daily life in the afternoon. <laughs> um, and that's, that's not why I, I, I disagree with it. I disagree with it because I think that it's, it's um, I, I kind of think that they're actually segueing themselves into saying there's low hunter participation. So now we're going to extend the season to all day to bring more, to see if we can get more hunter participation. And that is exactly what it's going to do. I know that um, I've spoken to a handful of non-resident hunters in Missouri and that's, that's usually their number one complaint. What? Missouri stops at one o'clock. This is so stupid. I, I've never heard of that. Why, why does Missouri have to have those regulations? Well, the turkeys need a rest. I feel like, um, you know, we've got a ton of small parcels of land and with all these different, uh, properties having hunters on them, the birds are pushed around a lot. And I think it's great that they, they have that break in the afternoon to, to go about their business. And we're, we're always worried about a bad hatch and, uh, you know, uh, earlier late breeding or this or that it gives them a chance to actually breed and, and create more turkeys and, and giving them all day pressure i just don't see how that's going to help and it's it's only going to attract more non-resident hunters and that's you know what i'm typically a non-resident hunter i hunt a lot of different states and, and i'm okay with non-resident hunting but bringing in more people with a declining population is not going to help i don't i don't feel like yeah, I mean, I think it's a complete step in the opposite direction, completely wrong direction. Um, I can't imagine. I, I, I can't uh, actually that, you know, before when we got started talking about doing this podcast, that was the first I had heard of it, honestly. Yeah. And I literally was like, you got to be kidding me, right? Like, that's, <laughs> that's that what I thought. You know, like that's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a, it's, a, it's a complete step in the wrong direction, sends the complete wrong message. Um, I, I just can't fathom why that would be an option even, um, especially coming from MDC who has always hung, hung their hat on tradition, you know, roots and, you know, the rifle season is in the second week of November because of, you know, hunter participation. We want it to be, you know, everybody to have the best experience and, and tradition, like tradition is like number two, I believe we had a, we had a meeting, uh, we sat down with some of the, the folks down there a couple of years ago and talked about it. And I'm pretty sure tradition was pretty high up on the list of why, you know, rifle season continues to be where it is and hunter recruitment being number one. Uh, but yeah, tradition, tradition is big. And so I can't imagine going against 
going against the tradition of Missouri. Uh, but maybe that maybe it comes with caveat. Like I said, maybe it comes with an early archery season um, and a separate, you know, shorter gun season with one bird. Who knows? Uh, there may be a lot of things in the works, but um, yeah, if, if if no other changes happen and they go to allow also allow PM hunting during the three week season, I think, I think that's just terrible. I think it's a terrible move a terrible message to the people, you know, there's so many guys, everybody's got an opinion right now, but MDC, one of the big opinions is that they only really care about tag sales and not the game, but obviously they have to care about the game. Cause that's where the, that's where tag sales come in. But to me, it looks t- in a day where harvest is way down obviously observation and hearing birds is down. You can hear that almost statewide. And then there's liberalizing the season and making it more opportunity to hunt. Just to me, it sends such a bad, bad message, but I'm not, I'm not Jeff city in an office making those decisions. So it is a difficult place for them to sit trying to keep all parties happy. Uh, I just feel like that's a, that's a bad, bad move. Yeah. And, and you made a great point, Adam. I'm, I'm just a critic too. Like I, I, I feel like it looks that way. Like, Oh, they want more revenue, but they also are the ones that are sitting there studying all the data and they know that game is uh, very crucial and important um, for the state of Missouri. And um, it's just my opinion as well. I don't, I don't know all the facts. Yeah, guys. Well, I uh, appreciate you jumping on this week. Sean, you pointed something out. I want to allow people to, to go find it, but um, you mentioned some sort of school. So if you want to plug where they can find you and follow along and, and um, maybe sign up for that class. Yeah. So we're, we're putting on a film and um, we're putting on a film school and then on a Saturday, which is uh, July 10th and then July 11th, we have our land management class. So two separate classes. You can sign up for both if you'd like. Um, but the, the land management class, we will uh, be covering some in-classroom stuff on um, timber stand improvement, prescribed fire, uh, food plot, all that stuff. And then we'll go out in the field um, later on in the day and go um, tour one of our farms and kind of show everyone how we, we go about things and um, the process behind all of it. So um, if you guys want more information on it, um, just go to our website. You can you can look that up or find us on social media and uh, feel free to ask us any questions you might have and we'll be happy to answer. Awesome. Well, guys, thanks for, thanks for coming on. I uh, sure do appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thanks for having us. Enjoyed the, enjoyed the discussion. And, uh, oh man, I can't wait if they announce the PM hunting, the, the chaos that will ensue. <laughs> yeah. Pork and torches headed to Jeff city. <laughs> All right, well, thanks a lot, Adam. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah.